And Lord, this morning, hidden area in our lives that must be totally surrendered to you. And bring us to your altar, O God, that we might lay it there, O God, and give it totally to you. You are the one we cry out to. You are the one in whom we look to. You are the one that we remind ourselves of. That greater is he who is in me than he that is in this world. And Lord, help us to believe that. That you are dwelling in me. You are dwelling in each and every one of us. And greater are you than anything that we're going to face or go up against in this world. Lord, call us out. Call us out. Call us out to stand up for you. Call us out, Lord, that we might be your people. And we'll give you the praise and give you all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, we're continuing on this area where we're looking at different individuals. And today we're going to look at Joseph, not of the Old Testament, of the New Testament. Joseph of Arimathea. The one who went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. We're going to look at this individual. And I hope you can catch some strengths and some steps that it took for him to grow in Christ. That you'll see some steps that he takes that each and every one of us may have to take. And oftentimes, as we read through, we read so quickly and we give very little thought that these were real people with real problems, struggling with real issues. Just like we do. We struggle with real issues. We struggle with real problems. We have our ups and downs. We have our times in which we ourselves are not always the faithful one. But God will always bring us to a place that I have to make a decision for him. I have to make a decision for him. In our Christian life, oftentimes, we're not very serious about God. We'll say we're a follower of Christ, but we're not very serious. We're not totally sold out. We say that we love him, but we spend very little time with him or learning of him. There's that time and place in which we have to come to a place to say, Jesus, you're all. You're all. You're all that matters. You're all that really matters, Lord. You're all. 
And in doing that, we come to a place where we're willing to stand up for Jesus, no matter what we might look like. We're willing to stand up. We're willing to say to him and everybody else, I'll stand up for you, Lord. I'll stand up for you. And that takes you and I into a place where we have to be willing to surrender it all. Because it's not about what people think. It's not about what I'm going to lose in this. I might lose friends. Uh, If you read down through history, God didn't come to divide a husband and wife. But you may lose a husband and wife. And we've seen it. Where the husband wants to serve God. And the wife doesn't. I'll never get a, a gentleman over in Canton. We spent some time. He was a dynamic photographer and he took pictures for Goodyear and that was his job traveling all over the world taking pictures for Goodyear. And he couldn't understand why he was 59 years old, 60 years old, that his wife would say to him, she no longer wanted to be in this marriage. She no longer wanted to walk with Jesus. And it just tore him up. And all he could tell me, he said, Gus, I can't leave Jesus. I can't leave Jesus. I can't leave the church. I can't change my life. And I love her. But she don't want this life that I'm living today. We come to a place in life that we have to surrender and say, Okay, Lord, it's all about you. It's all about you. At some point, you have to stand up for Jesus and not be fearful or ashamed. Fearful or ashamed. And oftentimes we find ourselves fearful to speak up for the Lord. I know I do at times. And then there's times that we feel a little bit ashamed of who we are as Christians. And those two things have to move out of our lives. And God has to really deal with us in those areas. Our fears and our shame. Our fear and our shame. A lot of people say they're Christians, but they're ashamed to live the Christian life. A lot of people say that they're Christians, but because their guilt is so heavy and their sin has been so prolonged upon them and kept them in bondage so long, they feel ashamed and that they're not worthy of this love of God. Or living out the plan that God has for them. And God has to deal with those two things. We're going to look at approximately four or five verses real quick. And I want you to keep them in mind. Because in the verses, 
we're going to see if they fit some of Joseph's life. And you have to ask, does it fit in your life? Scripture says to us that one of the things that point out about Joseph of Aramea is that he was rich. Scripture says in Proverbs 38 through 9, keep falsehood and lies far from me. Who do we first usually lie to? Ourselves. Keep falsehood out of my thoughts. Keep lies out of my heart. Then I even lie to myself. And just keep me out from generally just lying. Give me neither poverty nor riches. And then he goes on, he explains. But give me only my daily bread. Otherwise, I may have too much if I'm rich. And if I have too much, I'm not dependent upon you. I'll disown you. If I have too much, I don't need you, Lord. If I have too much, I'll be like the man with his barns. The only thing I'm going to do is party now. I don't need the Lord. He says, I'll say, who is the Lord? Second part, I may become poor and steal and so dishonor the name of my God. I may become so poor that I'm stealing out here. I'm doing things I shouldn't do and I dishonor your name. One, I disown you. The other, I dishonor. And sometimes we're caught there. Matthew 10, 32, 33. Whoever acknowledge me before men, I will also acknowledge him. See if you see that in Joseph's life when we go through it. And see if you can pinpoint the point in which he says to himself in a sense, it don't matter. It don't matter what people think about me. It don't matter what I will lose. See if you can pinpoint that point. Whoever acknowledges me before men, I will acknowledge him before my Father in heaven. But whoever disowns me, why? Whoever disowns me. So either is that total acceptance or that total what? Disowning. And oftentimes with us, we try to be that lukewarm Christian. We try to be in the middle. I'm not totally hot, but I'm not totally cold. But the Lord, oftentimes we forget what the scripture says in that verse. He will spew me out of his mouth. Because he would prefer that I either be what? Hot or cold. In Matthew twelve thirty, he says, He who is not with me is against me. Either you're totally on my side, or you're what? You're against me. For either you're calling people to me or you're scattering people away from me. You can't be in both places. Nor can you think, well, I'm in the middle. He who is not with me is against me. And he who does not gather with me scatters. 
Then in Titus 1, 15, 16, he says, To the pure, all things are pure. Then he said, But to those who are corrupted and do not believe, the person who has not accepted Christ and don't believe, this is what follows. But let me share this also with you who believe in Jesus Christ, but then will not trust him and believe his word. This also follows. But to those who are corrupted and do not believe, when you don't believe God's word, nothing is pure. Nothing is pure. You don't know how to say what is righteous and what is good. You can't make that separation. Why? In fact, both their minds and conscience are what? Corrupted. Understand this. As you read God's word, that word purifies you. As you read God's word, your mind is transformed. As you're reading God's word, your mind is being renewed. Something's happening to you as you are reading God's word. And it purifies your thoughts that you can discern what is right and what is wrong. It goes a little further and it says, oh boy, they claim to know God. And people do that. They claim to know God. You go out here and start witnessing. I know God. I know God. They claim to know God. But they'll also add that, well, I'm not where I should be. You know, I'm trying to get it together. You know, they claim to know God. But look what he says. But by their actions, they do what? They deny me. By their actions, they deny me. Sometime, even though we love the Lord, we've accepted the Lord, it's our action that denies him. It's the way we choose to live in front of our friends or family members that we deny him. In Romans 1.16, he says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. How many of you are ashamed of the gospel? The gospel here is not just death, burial, resurrection. The gospel is, are you ashamed of Jesus' life? Are you ashamed of what Jesus stood for? Are you ashamed of what Jesus did? And portrayed? Are you ashamed of how he died? Are you ashamed that he arose from the grave? Are you ashamed of his teaching and what he asked of you as a Christian? Are you ashamed? And Paul said, I'm not ashamed. And a lot of young people have to get to that point. Because they're ashamed. 
They're ashamed to really stand up for the Lord. They're ashamed of what God's scripture is asking them to do. I can't do that because of friends looking on. He says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God. And that's what we forget. It's the power. The gospel is the power of God in our life. The word of God is the power in our lives. The power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. First for the Jew, then for the Gentile. Joseph. Arimathea. He is written about in all four Gospels. And each one give a little bit of a different picture of him. But each one also gives very key words about him. And that's what we're going to look at somewhere. Those key words about him. And what it says. Because this individual, boy... He was a disciple of Jesus. So in John 19, 38, it makes it very clear that he's a disciple. It says in John 19, starting in verse 38, it says, Later Joseph of Arimathea asked Pilate for the body of Jesus. Now Joseph was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly, secretly, Secretly. How many of you are trying to be Christians secretly? Not wholeheartedly. Wonderful Christian on Sunday morning. Wonderful Christian on Wednesday at Bible study. Wonderful Christian when you're with the brothers and the sisters. But what are you like when you're not? It is hard to live a secret life. It's difficult living a secret life. And yes, all of us have something that we're struggling with. It's, it's something about what we've said about each other. Mind your own business. I'm taking care of my business. You stay out of my business. The only thing we're saying, I got some things I don't want you to know about. Leave my business alone. That's my business. If you're a Christian, you're not a secret. I hate to say it, your business really isn't a secret. Because Paul says, I'm an open book, read by. I have nothing to hide. I'm transparent. People can see my life. They can see how I live for Jesus. They see my struggles. They're able to see that. They're able to see my hurts and my pains. They're able to see my ups and my downs. They're able to see my failures. They're able to see him. I'm transparent. And Joseph was trying to hide something. And, and, and when you live a secret life, it puts a lot of guilt on you. When you live a secret life, you're always trying to hide this thing or that thing. When you're living a secret life, 
you got to be cautious of what you say because you might let it out the what? Out the bag. When you're living secretly, you put yourself in bondage. A secret life is one of fear. What people might find out. And I don't want people to know this about me. I don't want people to know. The gentleman who was on the school board. Is that Nordonia Hills or where? Was living that secret life. And whoever told on him about his secret life being on the school board. And, and living this other life also then. And when the police went in, oh, now he got the gun and he's threatening to even kill himself or whatever. Because now the guilt and the shame all comes down at one time. Your secret life at some point will be revealed. Why? Because God says what's done in the dark, he'll bring it to the light. What you're whispering to others, God said, I'll shout it from the housetop. So where's the secret at? Where's the secret? And Joseph is living this secret life, and it's somewhat tearing him up too, I believe. He fears and Boy, he has a good reason to fear. So I don't want to take it as something light here. I don't know how long he's been a disciple. Jesus has been ministering for three years. Has it been for one year, two years? Whatever it is, he's a disciple. But yet he's a secret disciple. He hasn't allowed his friends to really know. I don't know if his family really knew. His co-workers didn't know. He's kind of keeping this thing locked up and hid. So it says, but secretly because he feared the Jews. Now drop down into chapter 20 of John and come down into verse 19. Hey, he was in good company now. Because in verse 19 says, On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for the fear of the Jews. Some fears are legitimate. But God has called us out of our fear and has not given us a spirit of fear. He hasn't given us that. We may choose it, and we may live in it, but he hasn't given it to us. And it says, boy, he feared the Jews. And that secret life, fear of getting caught, the truth being known, you're protecting what you're trying to hide from others, from friends, from families. And the worst of this is this. You live in a pretense world. It's not real. It's not real. You're pretending somebody loves you when they don't really love you. If somebody's not willing to marry you, they don't love you. So you're just pretending that they love you. 
You're just pretending you have a godly family, knowing that it is not. You're pretending that you're making it when you're not really making it. You're pretending you got something when you really don't have anything. It's a pretense that is there. That's the worst thing about this thing. And you don't know where to live at. To live in the pretense, what I would like something to be, but is not real. Or do I live in my reality of who I really am and what I am? Who did Joseph fear? Go to Luke 23, 50 with me. Let's see if we can see why he had this fear. Because it was really there. 2350. Now there was a man named Joseph, a member of the council, a good and upright man who had not consented to their decision and their action. What was their decision that they were talking about? What was going to be their action that they were talking about? And uh, the whole process was a, a thing that they were doing and, and, and the thing that they wanted to do. Go over to Luke chapter 22. Pick up with me in verse 1. Because here it says, boy, he did not consent to their decision or their action. And some scripture says he didn't agree with their action that they were going to take. So over in verse chapter 22, verse 1. Now the feast of unleavened bread called the Passover was approaching. And the chief priests and the teachers of the law were looking for some way to get rid of who? To get rid of Jesus. For they were afraid of the people. But they were looking for a way that they could set a plan, connive, or do something to get rid of Jesus. And Joseph didn't agree with them. Now, that's some predicament to be in. I don't agree with what you're doing to this man, but I'm not really telling you either. I'm a follower of this man. I don't really agree with what you're saying and kill this man. Let's destroy this man. Well, this man is telling a lie, but I'm a disciple of this man. What I'm not really telling you is that I love him. That I love him. So Joseph is in this situation. He sits on the council of the Sanhedrin. And he's there and he's hearing what other people are saying or plotting against the one that he loves. That's like a wife not saying a thing when others are there talking about her husband. Just don't know that that's her husband. The others don't know. But the thing is, she got to hear how they talk about him or whatever. It hurts. And Joseph sat there and he heard all of this. It doesn't tell us what he said, but it tells us he didn't agree with it. So only thing when you don't agree something is just vote your hand up and say nay when the vote time come around. Right. 
What made him so fearful? He was a member of the council. He went against their decision. And sometimes when you go against other people's decision, that could be some stance that you're taking. And people can become angry with you. And people want to hurt you because you're not following them. Understand this. We don't have to always agree. But we should give each other the privilege to disagree and still walk together and pray together and worship together. Should never be such a disagreement that you've got to leave it unless it's something about Scripture. Anything else, you have a right to how you see it and you view it. But the other person should have a right how they see it and how they view it. And should not feel any intimidation of raising their hand and saying no or yes. And here's Joseph. He's here with these longtime friends. And I imagine some of these people on this council of this Sanhedrin, he has known them longer than he's known Jesus Christ. And I imagine he's sitting at this table with some neighbors and some real close friendships that he has gathered over the years. And now they're seeing something differently. Where before, boy, there might have been a lot of agreement. But now Jesus is what we're talking about. And what we're going to do with Jesus. And now we've got to make a decision and I don't agree with you. You've been my co-worker. You've been my friend. You've been my neighbor. You've been my associate. You've been my... What they call him out in the street? My, my homie. Hey? Been my man. Hey? We ran together. You know? We kind of tipped it together. We sniffed it together. We did all this together. But I'm fearful to tell you, I love Jesus, the one you're talking about, because what might happen to me? Of what might happen to me? Now, we need to understand this part of it. There's only three things people can really do to you. And the question, when these things come up in your life, Are you willing to lose them for Jesus? Are you really willing to lose them for Jesus? Because if you're not, at some point, God's going to bring it to you and say, either you're going to stand up or you're going to deny me in this. One, my name. It says Joseph was a good man. In Mark, it says in 15, that he was prominent. So he was highly respected. He had influence. He was well liked in the community. And understand, in the Sanhedrin, there were 71 men. But this is one of the senior ones. This is one of the ones that's highly recognized in the community. And respected by what he says and what he does. A good name. Proverbs says a good name is better than gold and silver and riches. A good name. Your reputation. 
A lot of us have no respect for our own reputation. We don't respect ourselves. We don't honor our own name. And here's Joseph. Boy, if I tell them I love the Lord, what will they do to my name? If I tell them I'm a follower of Christ, will they disrespect me? What would happen in the community? If the community finds out I'm a follower of Christ, and I sit on the Sanhedrin, I sit on this council that makes decisions over other people's lives. And here I am, a follower of Christ, of someone who they're against. Why? The second thing, physically. Well, if I say something, they might kill me. If they plan in the plot on Jesus and kill him, and they don't even know him. I'm their chummy. I'm the guy they hang out with. I'm the guy we went out with each other and partied and did all this other stuff. We, we were co-workers. We've been friends ever since we were back in grade school. And all now because I love Jesus and I'm a follower of Jesus, you want to hurt me physically. And if they would hurt Jesus, who is Joseph? And that causes us to cow down sometimes because of the physical hurt. Especially in large metropolitan cities where we know gangs are. We know what's happening on the street in that area. We're frightened. The third thing it tells us in Matthew 27, that he was rich. If I tell them I love Jesus, if I tell them I'm a follower of Christ, if I tell them, boy, he's the Savior, he's the Messiah, would I lose my riches? Would they undermine me? And cause me to lose my wealth. Would they stop sending business my way? Would they start cheating me and stealing from me? But only three things where people can really hurt you. One is your reputation, your name. Guard that. Now you cannot stop people for saying the wrong things against you. But do all within your power to do things that are right and above board. Number two, physically, yes, they can hurt this body. They can't touch the soul. So fear not him who can kill the body and and can do nothing else. And thirdly, recognize, just like Job, he lost all his wealth. But God gave it all back to him. Don't work for wealth. Let God give you wealth. There's a difference in that. That's not saying you're not working. 
But see, we don't leave who out the picture. Amen. Joseph came to a point in life, it didn't matter what people thought of him or what they would do to him. And it's very clear in the scriptures when this point really comes about. This comes about at the very moment that Joseph makes up his mind, I'm going to Pilate and I'm going to ask for the body of Christ. Now there's no way you're going to sneak in to Pilate. There's no way you're going to go to Pilate that hadn't been pre-stated. Pilate, this individual want to talk to you because you just didn't walk up and start talking to Pilate. You had to have an appointment with Pilate. Now, if you're having an appointment with Pilate, somebody else knows what you're doing. And oftentimes, the moment somebody else knows what you're doing, they're sharing it with what? With somebody else. They're sharing it. You can't do things privately, per se, or secretly. Other people know it. Other people know it. And they're sharing it. So all of a sudden now his secret is out the bag. Because he's going there to ask for, for the body of Jesus Christ. Now, follow with me with that. Joseph made a decision not on what he would lose or keep at this point. It was no longer about what people thought about me. It's no longer what people are going to say about me. It's no longer if I'm going to be rich or poor. The focus now is on Jesus Christ. When you put your focus on Jesus Christ, everything else will work out. For it says, first ye seek the kingdom of God, and all these other things will be what? Will be added unto you. He says, keep your eyes focused on the one who is the author and finisher of your faith. Don't get your eyes on everything else. And Joseph got his eyes on Jesus. And Jesus only. He took a moment to have to refocus, yes, because he was fearful. He's lost the fear now. Here he is up before Pilate doing what? Will you give me Jesus' body? He's asking for it. The moment he made that appointment, most likely half the Sanhedrin, if not more, may have known about it. Because it was not going to be kept secret that there was a Jew before Pilate asking for the body of Jesus Christ. And especially someone of the Sanhedrin, of the council. But what he came to is simply this. What people thought of him didn't matter, but on what he believed. How many of you really act on what you believe and not what people think of you? But what you believe, you act on. You act on your convictions. Not on what people will think about you or what people will say about you. You act on the very basis of who you are as a Christian. Because people are going to always talk about us. 
thing. Get that settled in your heart. In the church, out of the church, wherever you're at, at work, people are going to what? And that's okay. Everybody has an opinion. That's okay. And they're going to have an opinion about you. That's okay. But are you focused on Jesus? Because if you take time trying to persuade people, you're not what they're thinking. You're not busy for Jesus. You've lost focus. And you have put yourself in a more important spot than who Jesus really is. And that's all Satan wants to do, is get your focus off Jesus and on yourself. And he acted on what he believed. And once he acted on what he believed, the fear dropped. The loss of wealth dropped. The loss of all those friends in the Sanhedrin and what they may do dropped. But he took that first step. And sometimes that's what we have to do. Take the first step. And when you take the first step out and stand for Jesus, the second step is much easier. But you've got to take that first step. And this is Joseph taking his first step. No more secret. No more living a lie. No more trying to hide it. It's out of the closet. I'm in love with Jesus. He went and asked for Jesus' body, his first step. And Mark 15, 43 says he went boldly. When you catch that word boldly, some translations will use the word that he took courage. Took courage in himself to go and do that. So this man was fighting a little bit with who? Himself. This man sat down and added up. Well, if I stand up for Jesus, I might lose this, 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 and this. But if I don't stand up for Jesus, when am I losing? If I live for Jesus, I have this, this, and this. But if I don't live for Jesus, what I miss out on? And this man stands up, and his first step is, boy, he said he took some courage. Now understand something. The moment you decide to stand up and trust the Lord, it's taking some courage. When you decide to live for Christ, it's a step of courage. When you stand up and be willing to do what Scripture says, it's a step of courage. You're standing on something. And it says in Luke 23, 53, he took it down. What is he talking about when he says he took it down? He took his body down. Now, the good thing about this, that boy, when you really look at it, he took it down during the day. We're going to talk about Preparation day, because this is on Friday. Jesus is put on the cross. Everything he has to do has to be done by 6 p.m. All his work, everything has to be done. He went and took the body down. Now, understand, this isn't like going next door. Golgotha was outside the city. He had to make a little trip to go to Golgotha and to take that body down. Pilate, before he even released it, had a soldier come in to let him know Jesus was really dead. 
But he made that trip out and took that body down. But catch this. He did it in the daytime. Now, if you wanted to keep something secret, you'd be tiptoeing out there at night. Everybody sleep. And hopefully you could get it down and nobody see you. But he did it in broad daylight. Everybody could see it. He's not worried no longer about what people think. He's not worried about what people say. His focus is on Jesus. His focus is on Jesus. His focus is on Jesus. His secret is out. Everybody knows he's a follower of Jesus now. Everybody knows that. Now, he asked for the body of Jesus only. Boy, me and the Lord, we talk back and forth on this one. And it's good. He asked only for the body of Jesus. Well, how about the other two guys? To understand this a little better is this. If you were not buried, you were considered to be accursed. Under Jewish law, if you were not buried, you were considered to be accursed. If your body was left laying on the road or, or just left on the, you were considered to be accursed. If he really didn't want his friends, and this is us now, uh, as I went through this thinking process, this is us. I still want to be secretly. So I'm going to ask Pilate, give me all three bodies. By asking for all three bodies, what would I have diffused? Nobody could have said, you in love with Jesus. You'll find, I could tell that big whopper. See, they all Jews and I'm interested in all Jews. I want to see all Jewish folks buried right and properly. No. He didn't care again what others thought. He just said, give me the body of Jesus. He didn't mention the other two. People, when you focus on the things of the Lord and Jesus Christ, it will become him and him only. You're not going to have to lie about it. You're not going to have to deceive people about it. You're just going to be right up front. I love my Lord. That's why I'm doing what I'm doing. I'm a follower of Jesus. I try all I can do within my power to live out the word of God. I live this way. This is how I live. And this is what Joseph is coming to. Not living a double life. Not living in secret. Not living in fear. Not living in what people think about him. But openly. I'm a Christian. I'm in love with Jesus. I'm a follower of Jesus. Yeah, I make my mistakes. Yes, I fall down. But I get right back up. I get right back up. Take a look at this real quick. He took the body and prepared it for burial on preparation day. If I was the high priest, if I was one of those Jewish friends, and remember, he had to make a trip out, take it down, bring that body back. 
And he had to get all this done before 6 o'clock. Now, it's already maybe 12 o'clock or after 12. It may be as close as 3 o'clock, which don't give him a whole lot of time. Because, see, by him being a Jewish Sanhedrin and sitting on that council or Pharisee, whatever you want, if he would have broke that law, who could have been put to death? Yeah. Now imagine the high priest and some of his friends on the council were saying, if he goes one second over. If he's not done by six o'clock. And that's even not only dealing with Jesus. He would have to deal with himself. He would have to go through the purification of purifying himself in order to go into the Sabbath. Because you're not supposed to deal with any dead bodies. So he had to purify himself before the Sabbath. So not just dealing with Jesus, he got to deal with himself. He got to purify himself. He got to cleanse himself in order to get ready for the Sabbath. And this is what he does. And he's focused on Jesus. He takes the body down. He takes the body to his home. Washes the body. Washes the body. Anoints the body. Wraps the body. I don't know how long wrapping would be, but I imagine it wasn't something he just took zoom, 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 zoom. You know. But he wrapped the body. He takes the body to the tomb he bought for himself. He got another trip to make. All of this is time consuming. And the clock is pushing him. That he would be done. And come back home and purify himself. For the Sabbath. That's why the scripture says the preparation day. The day before the Sabbath, the Jews got ready for the Sabbath. They would really start, history tells us, they start at 6 o'clock p.m. on Thursday, preparing themselves, getting all their work done, getting everything out of the way, their cooking, everything needed to be done for the Sabbath and be done before 6 p.m. on Friday. On Friday. We used to do something like that. We used to get ready for church on Sunday, we get all the ironing done, we get that done, we get everything done. Now we get up on Sunday morning <laughs> and we run it. <laughs> yeah. But their minds were fixed on what they were going to do on the Sabbath. Yeah. And he did all of this. Joseph's action, when you look at 1939... In John 19, this is so important. People, when you stand up and you live out your Christian life and you hold the standards, you will influence others. You will influence others to come out even. You will influence those on the borderline. You will influence those. To come on out and take that step. 
But you've got to be willing to stand for Christ. Not be ashamed of him. Not be fearful of what people are going to say or think about you. Not being fearful of what you will lose or, or what you may not gain. Look what it says. It says in verse 39, He was accompanied by Nicodemus, the man who earlier had visited Jesus, and it tells us when. At night. You think Nicodemus was also living a little secret life? And because Joseph was willing to step out and do what he did, even during the day, guess what Nicodemus says? I'm not going by night no more. I'm coming on out. I'm not worried about what people are going to think. I'm, I'm going to come on out and serve him. I'm going to let others know that I love him. I'm going to let others know that I really am going to stand up for him. I'm not going to hide anymore. Because of what Joseph did, Nicodemus came out and began to work with him. When you will step out and be courageous and be bold, you'll cause somebody else to step out. When you step out of bad relationship, you help others to do it. Amen. When you stop lying, you'll cause others to stop. Exactly. When you stop cheating and stealing, you'll cause someone else to do it because they'll say, they're making it. Because in our minds sometimes we think that's how life is supposed to be and that's the only way I can get over if I live like this. But when they see you step out and stand on God's word and live as a Christian, you encourage them to do likewise. And he says, they did this together. They did this together. He had help because when he decided to stand up for the Lord, remember what the Lord says when he sent them out? He sent them out how? Two? <laughs> Two. He would not leave Joseph alone to stand by himself because, see, Nicodemus was on that Sanhedrin too. So now no longer are they just fighting against one. They're fighting against two. They might be fighting against three. They might be fighting against four, five, six, or seven more. That said, I'm coming out. And I'm going to stand up for Jesus. I'm going to stand up for Jesus. You don't know what effect you're going to have on the life of other people. When you really make up your mind. I'm not talking about half-stepping. I'm not talking about when it's just convenient. I'm talking making up of your mind to live for Christ 24-7. Continuously. Daily. And when you do that, you're going to encourage somebody else. Boy, I never knew this man's life. So got in this thing and really look over it. Because in each one of the Gospels, it's just a little bit. Just a little bit. But to zero in on him. And to allow your mind to wonder what this man was going through. 
the position he held, the friends he may have had, and secretly being a disciple of Jesus, what he went through. And then making that decision. I love my Lord more than I love my friends. I love my Jesus more than I love my family. I love my Jesus more than I love my own life. And I may put my own life at risk, but I love my Jesus more. I love my Jesus more than I love my wealth and my riches. I love him more. What and who do you love more? What are you willing to give up for Jesus? Just think, Joseph Joseph may have had to run this verse through his mind. What if a man was to gain the whole world and lose his soul? What has he gained? Boy, I'm sitting in a good position here, God. I'm well respected. I'm on the highest council of Israel. I'm pretty wealthy. I don't have to beg. Everything's going good. Lord, leave me alone. (laughs) And the Lord wouldn't leave him alone. He had to come out. He had to come out. He had to go get the body. He had to anoint the body. He had to take the body home and wrap it and do all that he was doing in the sight of the community. It was no longer a secret that he was a follower of Jesus. Are you still a secret to somebody in your life? Are you still a secret to some of your family members? Are you still a secret to some of your co-workers? Are you still a secret to your community? It takes courage to stand up and step out. Let's pray. Father, we thank you and praise you for your word. And we thank you, Lord, how your word challenges.